So it's the uh, season for social gatherings and such. And I think you had mentioned before that you were going to meet up with some buddies. My group of friends, we finally had our big, uh, sort of, we call it chosen family Christmas uh, for the first time in a couple of years. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And uh, interestingly, the one thing I remember, so the last time we, t- last time we did this was 2019. And the one thing I remember Ooh. from all the years that we did this, going back to the early 2000s, every single year, almost everyone gets sick afterwards. Because, you know, we're getting together, doing a potluck. Everyone's got their germ-ridden children there. And uh, sure, sure enough, every Christmas I've been sick because of that one party. Totally worth it, but still. Now this year, this is the first time I've ever left. I've ever escaped the thing completely unscathed, not sick with anything. I don't think anybody got sick, which is crazy considering, you know, we were so careful these last couple of years. We didn't hold it last year because of all the mm-hmm. stuff that was going around. Mm. It was the year of the RSV and the flu mm-hmm. that was going mm-hmm. around. Yeah, I guess we're, we're so careful. We're so sanitary nowadays that we managed to all crowd into a basement and not get sick. Well done. Hopefully there's no long incubation period for any of this stuff, but um, knock on wood. It's been almost two weeks. Okay. 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 Well, hey, there. There's there's a minor Christmas miracle, right? Hi, you're listening to the Justin Musings podcast with Justin Lee and Marcus Muse. We're two advisors with CG Wealth Management in Alberta who finish off our weeks connecting over Zoom to discuss what's on our minds. What's on the agenda this week, Justin? With 2023 drawing to a close, I think it's an appropriate time to just talk about some resolutions, somewhat on a personal basis, but also on a financial planning and an investment perspective. All right. Any charts or links we refer to, as well as an archive of past podcasts, can be found on muhs.ca slash podcast. Please enjoy our largely unedited and unfiltered discussion for the week. Yeah, at this point in time, um, you know, as, as you were talking here, I was just actually updating my kilometer log for the year. So uh, preparing for taxes already. You are the one type of person that has an item as actually has a journal in their glove compartment, right? I do not do the journal in the glove compartments. And I don't know if this is completely right, but I basically just record where I went on what days and uh, okay. check the kilometers on, on, uh, on Google maps. Okay. There's a process. You have a process, a consistent process. Yeah. Today, uh, traveled 109 kilometers visiting some, some clients this morning and, uh, that's uh, driving way out of the city and then back in, meeting a couple of other people on the way. And uh, it's still, uh, the, the driving I've done in the last couple of years is still much, much less than I used to do back in the pre-COVID, mm. pre-Zoom era. Mm-hmm. Sort of meeting with clients where they are. A lot of people don't want to come downtown, so I used to always <laughs> meet where they are. Yeah. I think so. When you think about it, obviously, we're, we're a few years past, you know, what was the height of, of, of the pandemic. And... While we are largely back together in a lot of ways, um, there are structural changes that happened, right? You talked about Zoom, Teams, clients, yourself, uh, other people being comfortable with those sort of methods of communication. Your mileage, your driving kilometers is lower than what it was in the past. It probably will be a very hard push to get it anywhere close to it again, right? So life has changed in some ways. There's going to be these after effects, right? They're, they're going to linger for a long, long time. And um, curious to see into the new year, into the year's future, how much of this continues on, what just becomes normal, right? Which wasn't normal three years ago, but is now the new normal, as they say. And uh, yeah, it makes for some fascinating conversation uh, or some thoughts, right? And how one might adjust their lives. I mean, 
maybe your gasoline budget has changed slightly, right? Your your vehicle costs have changed slightly, and that might offset other things, right? You know, good question there. As I'm planning to do my taxes for the new year, um, I, I used to I used to calculate all of it how much I, how much gas I bought you know, car maintenance. Mm-hmm. And we, we as sort of commission-based employees are able to uh, uh, write off a lot of expenses, the expenses that we um, incur to uh, in order for us to make money as, as, mm-hmm. as client service people. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and that includes driving, driving to our clients, um, tracking those kilometers and, uh, and all, all the costs involved in the vehicles. This, this year, it's going to be a bit more difficult. I'm not sure what to do because I, I moved from a lease to an own ownership. So I leased a car but for about half the year, and then I mm-hmm. bought a car in June, and and that car is a plug-in hybrid, so I'm using a lot less gas. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I mean, I, I filled up my car a month or so ago, and I'm down a <laughs> maybe one third of a tank. Yeah. Uh, so it's not as easy as measuring my my uh, my fuel consumption anymore because I'm actually using some power off my house now. Yeah. So I don't, I don't yeah, really yeah. know what I'll to do. Uh, wow. I think I think there's like a sort of a. A basic amount you can use for for mileage, like a fixed amount, like yeah. fifty five cents or sixty cents or something. I think yeah. I'll yes. probably use that instead, instead Going of all the itemized details. Uh huh, uh huh, huh. Yeah, you. I mean, yeah. Think I'm thinking about like yeah, your solar panels on your roof, and then the the hybrid. Like, look at you. Look at you. <laughs> Saving the planet. Now that brings up an interesting topic. I was having. Uh, I did have a just a few little replies with uh with a friend in the industry uh mm-hmm. about that because um you know I'm, as much as you know i think it's good to reduce your carbon dioxide uh you know footprint and all that all the politics around it recently there was um some stuff from the uh the current federal government about uh you know pushing evs and with it comes the always this talk about think of the forest fires or you know this is uh this is the steps we these are the steps we are taking to uh prevent these these fires in the future but it's all, none of this is going to have any effect on that. It's like, let's be realistic. I mean, it's good to reduce our CO2, yes, but you're not going to have that effect. So just stop talking about that. Stop talking, um, you know, lamenting the fires and the floods or mm. trying to say you're going to, you know, we're doing these policies because we're trying to fight this. We can't fight it. Just, let's be realistic. <laughs> the way I would approach it, <laughs> the way I look at it is that it's a behavioral change, right? And slowly, mm. like if someone tells you that, you know what, you should, don't litter right and then if you see litter maybe pick it up right and and then that leads into you know it's like a little snowball effect where it slowly kind of changes and then says maybe behavior says you know what i'm not gonna buy that product at the grocery store because of perhaps the packaging alternatively it's also cheaper maybe i'll go to the bulk section and i'll do it that way right i think those little things it's a signaling thing where no not so much signaling but it's a small step that's sort of a small behavioral change which then affects the other things which then affects which then at some point potentially will then say yeah well it does make sense potentially right to change uh, my vehicle from a ICE or an internal combustion engine to a hybrid or to a full-on EV, right? And so it's hard to make that big um, step change for a lot of people, but to kind of do that slow thing, slow thing, and then, you know, you and I probably, you know, I'm, I'm still separating my recyclables, you know, and then do that, and how much an effect is it? You know, calculations and theories aside, right? But that then, that mindset makes me think about, okay, other consumption, other things I can do. And so I think, yeah, of course, yeah, one coal plant in China is going to make a, all the difference relative to the amount of bottles I recycle. But that being said, if I do that and then a million other people do that and then another million people decide that, you know what? Yeah, you know what? I, I, I'm all for hybrid vehicles, for example. 
or changing our electrical grid, for example, or willing to pay a certain carbon uh, price uh, for to because it aligns with something that makes sense with, right? So. I think I I see your point where on a on a on a pure absolute you know tonnage release yeah, these are hard things to to rationalize but I feel like it's more of a behavioral sort of change and I mean you and I deal a lot of you know, a lot with behavior right in in the finance investment side of things the planning side of things and this is I think just a, a somewhat similar sort of process but on the environment, environmental standpoint right it's interesting you mentioned China because this conversation on Twitter kind of branched out of a visual capitalist diagram showing. One of those, one of those weird, messed up pie charts they do. <laughs> I've I've commented on them before. It's not a pie chart, but it's like a pie chart of someone. If someone with who is a crazy person cut it up. No, the person who doesn't like crust. That's what the person's cutting up the pie chart. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Way, so right? so they do these now. These pie charts that are cut up really weirdly, and and it showed that China was um, the by far the biggest emitter of carbon dioxide. And then it shows Canada as like this tiny insignificant speck, and that's where that conversation uh, branched mm. out of was. Yeah, it's great what we do here, but it's not going to have any effect on the, on, the, on the globe's climate. What has an effect is what China does, and where we Canadians can help is getting pipelines built to send natural gas as much as possible, <laughs> as many pipelines as possible, every direction, send that natural gas out there to heat the homes and power the, the power plants um, in China to replace coal. And the other big solution to everything is nuclear power, nuclear, nuclear, nuclear. And that's come out of, that's actually some good news that's come out of the recent COP, uh, was it 28 um, conference is um, this agreement by a whole bunch of countries to commit to nuclear power, to build more nuclear, or what was it, with double nuclear power by a certain year? And that's going to have an actual serious effect. Solar panels won't have an effect on the climate. Um, Plug-in hybrids or hybrid vehicles or whatever, uh, electric vehicles, you know, not so much, unless we get a ton of nuclear power out there. And uh, that came up too in the conversation is if everyone in Alberta went to electric vehicle, the amount of extra power we need, we need I, I figure about 10 megawatts, or was it gigawatts or megawatts? I think 10 gigawatts, Gig. so 10,000 megawatts of power output. We need that from somewhere, and it's not coming from solar because people like to charge their cars at nighttime. So we need, yeah. we need nuclear plants, lots of them. But again, it's a major step change for a lot of places, particularly if in mm -hmm. jurisdictions and places that don't have it, right? Alberta's one a prime example. But, you know, you go to Ontario and uh, the majority of all the power there it comes from nuclear, right? So it's, they're used to it. Someone brought this up on Twitter too that, I keep saying Twitter, it's X now, right? Uh, someone brought it's this up on Twitter X that, uh, yeah, <laughs> you, you mentioned that. Mm -hmm. uh, they brought up that in uh, their, their power bill, they have a special deal in their power bill in, in Ontario that they get a discounted rate at nighttime uh, nighttime, you know, is is a time when less people are using power. Yes, mm -hmm. but uh, they have a grid that is very nuclear heavy. So the the power output they they would want the, the power base. output to stay yeah. constant exactly. Uh, so that's to entice people to to charge their cars at night or whatever. Um, if we have a power base, I mean, ours is still largely natural gas, but it is becoming increasingly so solar. But if we get too much uh, too much of our overall power is coming from solar, then it becomes a very you know, daytime happy power grid, whereas mm. at nighttime mm -hmm. we might not have enough for everyone to charge your cars again if everyone goes uh, goes electric. But, mm -hmm. um, and you know, so nice thing about Canada in general is that like because of our ge geology and geography in some senses, more so the geology, right? But then you know we are for all intents and purposes a nuclear superpower. We just choose not to use it on a military standpoint, right? You know the the um, the history of, of nuclear energy in Canada is quite strong. Um, of course, the, the the uranium resource is 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 quite substantial as well, and that was probably you know the 
that was the main reason why Canada was involved back in World War II and all that in, in the development of of, uh, of those weapons. But um, you know, and but even to this day now, a, a lot of the uh, engineering, a lot of the um, Canadian designs are used around the world. Can do reactors and whatnot. Um, existing maintenance uh, companies mm-hmm. that are, are that are major nuclear maintenance uh, providers and design uh, engineer and construction folks are, are you know Canadian owned in some senses now. So you know, the, we it it's another. Um, I guess a feather in the cap in the in the Canadian space. It, maybe that really benefits Saskatchewan in some senses, but it you know generally still contributes to Canada as a whole. Like I said, um, the the nuclear knowledge and, and whatnot. So it's going to be part of the solution in that in that standpoint, I guess. Right, looking forward into the future, uh, should they actually uh, execute and commit to uh, these uh, these objectives that they agree to, right? Yeah, so mm-hmm. it's a it's a new year, and uh, yeah. even though while Justin and I are recording this, it's actually still December. It's not quite Christmas yet, but uh, when this goes live, it will be a new year. And uh, we talked about some resolutions. We talked, um, you know, the resolution that a bunch of countries made to increase uh, nuclear output. Maybe some people's resolutions are to get a an electri- electrified vehicle, zero emission vehicle next year, mm-hmm. um, or in 2024, this year now. <laughs> um, but what other you know, we're, we're a podcast about personal finance, and I think uh, this would be a good time to perhaps talk about some personal finance resolutions going into the new year. Um, I've, I've, I've written a list. Um, I don't know if you have any uh, particular uh, resolutions, Justin, for the new mm-hmm. year that you think uh, you might want to enact or that you maybe want to encourage clients to in the next in the new year. Um, I've got a mix of both. Um, I'll start with a, a simple one, and it's one that um, um, is largely driven by my wife. Not explicitly, but it's a, it's a, it's it's a something that I recognize, and is that I like cooking. I like food in some senses. I do less of it now than I used to, um, <clears throat> but I enjoy having a plethora of different types of ingredients and condiments and and things like that in my fridge in the pantry. Right, so it could be Italian one day, it could be Korean another day, it could be um, you know Middle Eastern, Mediterranean another day. Like the ability to make something should I want to is is, is there, right? But what it turns out is that, you know, if I'm buying the uh, the 500 milliliter tub of sour cream, for example, I have to recognize that I'm the only one in the family that eats sour cream. Right? More chips? <laughs> That's the resolution is consume more. And so it's the opposite, actually, is that recognize the fact that even though the, the deal is it's more, you know, more value oriented price wise to buy the half a liter tub of sour cream, for example, um, I probably only need the 251. Right. And so waste less. Right. And so when mm-hmm. I waste less, if when I there's less stuff being thrown out on my behalf from the fridge or the pantry, it's because it's probably dated. It's probably stale. Maybe best before is, is or maybe it's just down. You know, I, I, I argue with the best before dates. Right. Um, but if it's downright spoiled, then I have no argument. Right. And so it's it's wasted money. It's wasted money. It's wasted produce. It's waste of, ener- of energy. It's waste of a lot of stuff in the whole mm-hmm. entire supply chain to provide me that bag of arugula. Right. Another thing that I'm the only one that eat that eat in the household. And so Justin spend less means I'll save more. I will waste less. And then that will further allow, um, you know, potentially to have more money saved up in terms of other things I do want to. I will have, you know, benefit the entire family or save for the future, invest for the future. You know where I'm very wasteful when it comes to dairy products is coffee cream. And uh, again, single person here. So I buy mm-hmm. the, I guess it's a half liter, half liter uh, container of uh, a half quart of coffee cream, the one in the yeah. sort of the half and half in the, in the green container. Mm-hmm. Um, and I buy that one because I absolutely can't stand the quarter quart ones, the little ones, <laughs> because the ones from the company I buy from at, at yeah. Save on Foods has a plastic spigot at the top that uh-huh. I can use. 
Yeah. Whereas the smaller size one does not have the plastic spigot, and I have yes. to use the the you know the traditional way you open a, a milk carton. A, cr- a carton. Yeah. Now this particular brand of coffee creamer, or maybe their, their whole line of dairy, uses too much glue on their top. So when I try to open those flaps, I completely mangle and rip the thing up, and I get really frustrated, and I and I, I hate it. And then I usually worry that it, that it'll probably spoil quicker, and then I, I throw it out anyways. Mm. So I buy the I buy the quarter quart ones, or again, I guess it's half liter. It's not necessarily not quarter quart, the half quart ones. Mm-hmm. And just so that I can have that plastic spigot, but I don't mm. use enough. I So mm. I'm a coffee drinker. I like my coffee fairly dark, but I like mm. just a little bit of cream in there just to have it not be black, right? Yeah. Just sort of dark brown. Yeah. And so I use a tiny bit and, and I always, I usually, and I do go a few days past the expiry, but I, yeah. I throw the rest out. I usually use half of it and I throw the rest out. I will not go to the smaller ones because I hate <laughs> those flaps. They're so frustrating. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this is again like what are you saving? You're saving the difference of a dollar, a two, like whether it's creamer. Uh, it, or it's really the, I look at the cost; it's not that much. And exactly. I mean, making my coffee yes. at home, I save so much money versus yeah. going to the uh, yeah. the place downstairs. Yeah. So the point there is that it's a little behavioral change, right? And it's a little behavioral change that allows us. You know what? Mm-hmm. Okay, I'll, maybe I'll buy the small one instead. Right? I'll deal with the the flap or the carton, right? Or maybe Justin will say, okay, I I will just buy what I need, and if I'm a little short, it's okay, right? I'm gonna I might end up having it thrown out on me anyways right or if i'm gonna buy that specialty seasonal beer for example then i better drink it during the season right and and not you know find it on the shelf collecting dust a year later which mm-hmm. i'm infamous for so there's things like that and so it's, it's just a behavioral thing so then if i change that a simple thing like that then maybe i'll change other things and how i will spend and save and in other parts other bigger ticket item sort of things um you know and then that compounds uh, over over time as well, right? So, so that's that's a simple thing. And food is a is a very important area too when it comes to how you spend your money. We've talked about that before in this podcast about uh, how it's one of those three main areas where we overspend. And food is not just spending too much in restaurants, but just being inefficient in our grocery purchases, like you said, buying that tub of uh, sour cream if you don't need it. Yep. Uh, yep. That can that can make a difference. Uh, so I have a couple of resolutions. Maybe I'll go back and forth, right? So one is, and this is a very very I'll do two because this first one's really very cliche for our industry. Automate your savings. So oh, going into be, the new okay. year, if you had this on your list too, eh? go for it. Go so for I mean, it. if you if you are someone who obviously we're, most of us are savers, and I I'm a huge fan of the pre-authorized contribution. You know, to put money every month automatically into your RSP, TFSA, or however you're saving. I put a little bit a month, or maybe a little bit of paycheck aside. Uh, from your checking into your savings, build up your emergency fund. When you automate that stuff, it is so much easier to, it's really not even a habit. It's just do nothing and money automatically gets saved. Then you look back at it in a couple of years and you'll be surprised how much money you have. Um, I know, and I always always push this on clients. I say, you know, you should do do the automatic savings, whatever. But um, a lot of people, they don't have a, the their income flow is not is not in a way that that works perfectly. But I Mm -hmm. still recommend do a minimal amount. So, for example, let's say you're someone who does an RSP contribution annually. You're one of those people calling us up in February, late February, or right on March 1st. By the way, it's going to be February 29th will be the deadline this year. Leap year. Uh, yeah. Uh, but you call us right on the deadline to make that lump sum contribution. Okay. Um, I guess if that's the way your pay comes in because you get that bonus in January, February, mm-hmm. uh, that's the way you need to do it, then fine. But maybe look at your contributions and think, what if I took half of the amount that I always do and put that in monthly? And then I get to RSP season, quote unquote. Uh, I've already done half my RSP contribution. And then, you know, mm-hmm. just in case Marcus is in Belize again and I can't reach him, at least I've got that. <laughs> I'm not sweating bullets on, on the 29th uh, to mm-hmm. get that money in, into the uh, RSP. 
Nope. So I'm a really big fan of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think it's just not even like a behavioral sort of idea is that you can do just $25 a month sort of just something like mm-hmm. that, right? But if it's automated, then you have some conscious knowledge or like, like, oh, there's something going every month or every paycheck. And then you can top up when appropriate, when you need to, to kind of get to that point where you're maximizing the TFSA contribution space or getting the appropriate amount into your RSP or making sure that um, the you're getting the full CESG for the RESP, right? So, you know, 25, 50, 100, whatever the dollar value is, and then kind of top it up throughout the year when you can or when you're uh, when you have more flexibility in doing so. But building that behavior and knowing that and that 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 uh, process that yes, automating it already, and then you know that okay, you know this is like a budget. Every month I'm budgeting X amount of dollars for rent, or I know that is coming out on the first of the month, or I know that every by week, every twice a month, a mortgage payments coming out. Those things are automated too, right? So take that same idea and then automate it for as part of your savings. Excellent. Excellent. I wrote that down. T- tell me idea. about it. I, yeah. I look at my, uh, my, my December 15th paycheck uh, coming into my accounts and then right away, mortgage payment comes off automatically. Mm-hmm. RSP contribution comes off automatically. And then I pay my credit cards and suddenly I'm yeah. back to the same balance I was <laughs> at, at the beginning of the month. Pay um, yourself first idea, right? This is the idea where that yeah, came I, from, right? I want to talk up one other really cool feature we have, a bit of, te- bit of financial technology I've kind of discovered over the, cro- over the course of the last year through what we, uh, a system we use call, called InvestNet, which is kind mm-hmm. of a, uh, it really doesn't matter to the clients as much, but it's, uh, it's a cool bit of that technology that we are using behind the scenes. Uh, where, so traditionally in our type of uh, business, it was always easy to do monthly contributions into a mutual fund. You know, you'd set up that contribution so the mutual fund company takes money directly out of your checking accounts every month or paycheck, and it can be as little as $25 at a time, and it's automatically invested. That's great. Uh, well, now we have this cool system where we can have uh, basically build a portfolio of ETFs or stocks or whatever you want in, a, in, a, in an account. It's called a unified managed account. And you can have money go in whenever. You can send money in whenever and have, have automatic money go in. And it automatically invests that money for you periodically. So as, as cash builds up from your contributions that are going in automatically, uh, the system automatically takes that and rebalances it into your portfolio for you. And, and that's something neat that I don't think you're going to get a lot of discount brokerages. Um, it kind of is like a robo-advisor type of thing where the robo-advisor is able to pull money out of your account and automatically split it into a, an ETF portfolio. Mm-hmm. But uh, it offers a lot more flexibility. And that's something I've started to get more clients into in the last year. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing I, I want to add on that is that that in itself, in some ways, automates. You know, we're 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 looking to balance. We want sometimes, often, you know, rebalance when we want. You know, as the market sell high, buy low, right? That concept. People tend to forget that one. But uh, well, look at the look at the markets these last couple of years. If you did this, say yeah. you were contributing every once in a while through 2021, you might have had less and less go into growth stocks, and then 2022 came around and growth stocks absolutely got demolished. And suddenly, and that you know that year you were putting more and more into growth stocks, and then mm-hmm. this year growth stocks did better. So, mm-hmm. you know, when you're doing those monthly contributions, and you're not just doing rebalancing on your overall portfolio every once in a while, but you're doing passive rebalancing. That's another mm-hmm. great thing, not just that dollar cost averaging, but also the passive rebalancing you can do with regular monthly contributions. Mm-hmm. Um, it can have a, a slight positive effect on your on your outcomes long term. I wanted to add one more thing in regards to the automation about the bills and your example about how if a paycheck comes in and it's automatically taking things out. Um, one thing I haven't done for myself, but I know others do do it, and it saves, particularly if you miss your payment, for example, um, is potentially automating that credit card payment, right? 
And because yeah. you miss one month and I've missed a month, you know, at times where I just either forgot or the day moved because it was, you know, 28 days the previous month or 30 days. And I'm thinking, oh, I got to pay it always on the 5th. And it turns out it was actually the 4th or 6th of this time. And, and so you miss one and like the interest uh, is interest, right? It annoys you. And then the mental anguish about like, why did I forget? You know, like just avoiding that. One thing to consider for people is take a look into automating um, your um, your credit card payments as well, to make sure that at least you're paying you're you're paying paying the the minimum so that you're not you know um, getting too uh, penalized. Yeah, no one no one should ever be paying interest on a credit card if you don't have to. And the only time in my life I ever paid interest on a credit card was uh, one time when I simply forgot, or maybe I just didn't get the statements in the mail, or I put it aside somewhere and forgot about it. Went on vacation. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the worst. I mean, being billed that insane twenty percent or something just because you missed it by a few days. Mm-hmm. I called up. I called up the credit card provider, and they <laughs> wouldn't budge on that. <laughs> sometimes they will. Sometimes they don't. They don't plan to expect that you don't. <laughs> yeah, I cancel that card. I just. And the thing was, I, that was a card not at my main bank. So yeah. you know, I figured I just I don't want to have a card. I'll, I don't want to have this card at this other place. So I'm just gonna consolidate <clears throat> where I bank. And yeah. Okay. Um, one other uh, resolution for myself that I'd like to incorporate into the new year is um, introducing. We talk about you, you and I have talked about financial plans, financial planning. You are a you know a CFP uh, yourself. I am not, uh, but um, it's certainly within my capability and knowledge to be able to build an illustration uh, or have our wealth and estate planning group come in in terms of more complex situations. But um, there are quite a number of clients that uh, do not have, if not a plan outright. Uh, mm-hmm. an updated plan and, and certainly being aware that you know life happens whether it's a family addition or a new home or a larger mortgage or a change in employment um, stuff happens life happens and, and, and so I've thought for myself at least on a professional basis to start um, bringing up financial plan or building the financial plan or getting the information together um, as, a, as a good practice uh, for those that uh, do not have one currently um, there's been many studies that are in out there, and again, this is sort of inside baseball again. But it, it's it's shown that people who have a plan uh, that at least an initial guide uh, a guide that they're much more um, able to save. They're much more able to uh, stick to a plan rather than stick to no plan. Right? Um, it gives Absolutely, them yeah. it gives them a pathway for the future, knowing that things are always going to change and need to require to be updated. But at least have that initial outlook and re- and have some kind of uh, awareness as to what their current and also future financial picture uh, is looking like. Yeah, and just to uh, toot our horn again a little bit on technology here at Canaccord Genuity Wealth Management, we have one of I mean I think the best uh, financial planning system available anywhere called Conquest, and uh, we've we've made. Yeah, we've made some mention of that on our public-facing website too. And, uh, and yeah, we still have some work to do to make sure all of our clients are on Conquest, that they have uh, at least a rudimentary plan. And it has a really cool client portal as well where our clients can actually log in and not just see their plan live, but also play around with it and see, what if I set up that monthly contribution like we just talked about? Mm-hmm. What will that do to my, uh, my future net worth and my, how, how much further along will that get me to meeting my retirement goal? So uh, it's really cool software for us. You know, it's just a matter of getting around to uh, to setting it up for everybody and uh, making sure that uh, it's uh, core to all of our client conversations. And uh, great thing with our company too. I mean, um, we recently all just submitted our business plans to our higher ups, and in those business plans is not just you know how are we going to grow our business, you know, gain more clients, et cetera, et cetera, but how are we going to implement more, or how are we going to 
use fin our financial planning software more? How many financial plans do we expect to do? Or how many have we done in the last year? That kind of stuff is important. And it, it's great to see that it's important at the corporates, you know, higher up level too, that this is really something that the company is pushing, financial mm -hmm. planning for everybody. Mm -hmm. I'm taking things a step further. I'm getting insurance license because even though I've been practicing as a financial planner, had a CFP designation now for 15 years, as of a month from now, it'll be 15 years. Um, I've never been insurance licensed, and um, and I feel you know not not having that license, I might be missing um, some aspect of people's financial plans. That obviously is very important. We talked about this with Jeff some episodes ago. Mm -hmm. uh, we you know insurance planning is is planning for the uh, for disaster, for the unexpected, or the inevitable. Yeah, yeah. And and, and so I think yes, it, it is something. It's not necessarily the. <laughs> the dirty, greasy word that sometimes a lot of people think about and sometimes I think about myself, right? But no, it, it is a, a very valid and practical tool uh, in, 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 in situations. And again, within the, in the underneath the insurance umbrella, there's a host of options, right? There's term, mm -hmm. whole, like, and there's, and there's uh, something that can work for everybody, everyone. So good on you for that. So resolution for us is do more, do more financial planning, mm -hmm. obviously push it, you know, make it more of a core thing in our, in our the conversations. Yeah. And for our listeners, whether they're clients or not, um, if you've never done a retirement plan, just a basic rudimentary retirement plan, figure out, you know, with what you're saving right now, how far will it get you? Get started. And, you know, I'll see if I can find some resources to put on the, uh, on the, on the blog page for this episode mm -hmm. uh, to get you started. There's, there's lots of free stuff out there. And, you know, Justin and I would also be happy to speak with you and see if we can, we can help you too with uh, some much more sophisticated software, obviously. Mm-hmm. But uh, so yeah, next, uh, what I have on my list here, um, and this is one I've, I've railed on about this, uh, probably has been a theme with me. Um, <laughs> we, we will probably next week do a year in review, sort of just looking at the year in the markets, you know, what happened. Uh, and that's, it's really important, I think, to explain, because obviously our clients will look at their statements and see, you know, what was their performance in the year and, you know, what happens. And, and you have to take that into context. Did the markets go up? Did they go down? What types of investments helped more than others? And uh, my resolution, uh, my recommended resolution for people is cancel the business noise networks off of your cable package and stop following the markets every single day. Um, we, we do just because Ooh. it's part of our, uh, part of our, uh, our, our lives, our, our work every day. But if you're someone who's investing for your retirement, um, ignore the, the ups and downs of the markets every day because they do not, uh, they do not uh, benefit you at all in terms of your long-term strategy. In fact, you know, they look at, that and we talked be about tough. this before too. It's it's tough to do because it's on it's on the nightly news, but um, it's on our phones. It's we're on, it's we on touch our phones a hundred times a day. This is this I I I totally get the sentiment. I I, I agree, right? Um, but those networks uh, are live off of uh, mom and pop retail. You know, at home calling in retirees asking about this stock or that stock, right? And then also, it's so sad hearing those people calling in, and they they really actually <laughs> care what these people, these talking heads on TV, think about their stock. It but doesn't also, matter what's what, what <laughs> on my phone. I'm going to check right now yeah. on my phone. I, I, used have, to, I used to have it on my watch. I used to like twist and I got the S and P 500 <laughs> for the day. And you know, yeah. I, I was, I was driving around meeting with clients today. I had no idea what the markets were doing. If they were up and down until I got to the office, I checked okay. and S and P was up 20 yeah. something points. And then I checked at the close and it was up 48 points. It didn't matter. Whatever. It probably didn't matter. Yeah. I get, yeah, that's right. But boy, you know, the, the democratization of information is just, and, and digital usage is just, it's a noble. I, I, mm -hmm. I agree. It, that's just going to be one of those ones where like, I'm going to lose 15 pounds too this year, right? It's, it's, you got to work on it hard. That's a hard one to work on. The thing though, too, is we, we look at, um, 
Now, we, we've been looking at the markets the last couple of weeks. It's been nice. December's been really nice. November was one of the best months in quite a while. Uh, clear Santa Claus rally happening here, unless something happens between now and when, it's, when this episode airs. But the, the statistics on this longer term, if you're looking at the markets every day, I think the odds, and I mean, it, it might depend from one market to the other, but the numbers are roughly 52.48, slightly more than half the days the markets are positive, slightly less than half the days the markets are negative. We know what the long-term numbers are. Over 90-something years, the U.S. markets are up almost 10% annually. You look at things like the, um, I guess it's not going to be Credit Suisse that does it anymore, but someone's going to publish a, a yearbook in the new year talking about the markets over the very, very long term. Uh, there's, there's, there's these three researchers that put it together. I forget their names. It's uh, DS and M. I forget their uh, actual surnames. But they look at the markets over the last 200 years and all, all different countries in the, in the world. And over the long term, it shows the markets have gone up. And But yeah, long term, 100, over 100 year periods, 100% positive for the markets globally. Uh, 20 year periods, 100% positive. 10 year periods, it's like 9 and 10 if you're looking at, uh, or 9 out of 10 that the markets are positive. But mm-hmm. if you're looking at them every day, it's 50-50 almost. 50-50. And if, if yeah. Seeing a red number puts, like if, if seeing a red number, you know, is a downer for you, it's not healthy to look at it every day. It's gonna, you're going to feel depressed equally to the number of, number of days that you're feeling positive. And the psychological impact of red numbers and the markets being down is greater than the equivalence going up. And that's something we've talked about too in, in our podcast in the past. So don't, don't expose yourself to that. Stop following the markets every day. Uh, yearly is good. But, uh, and monthly too, it's like, what is it, 60, 40 monthly, like in terms of months that are up versus months that are down. Mm-hmm. And this year has been, you know, classic example. You look at it, you know, all throughout the summer and September, October, negative, 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 and you have one big pause a month that actually makes things up. Maybe two now. So we don't have vid- uh, video uh, capability quite yet, but uh, I'm let's just make a look. resolution to, ch- let's make a resolution to go to YouTube next year. <laughs> Let's try this out because then listeners will will know that I just took off my red Santa or holiday hat and replaced it with the green uh, elf um, thingamadoo. (laughs) And so there, just to your comment about red and seeing it. Suddenly this call is so much more cheery. (laughs) Because I'm wearing a little elf hat now. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Um, Yeah, there you go. Um, I think, yes, um, We've talked about. I've mentioned this analogy before, but it, you know the the financial markets as a whole are the complete opposite in a sense uh, than the casino. But a lot of people think of it as a casino, and if you change that the the perspective, you know, the longer you stay at the blackjack table or the craps table or whatever you're at, you know, the the VLT, the more likely or almost guaranteed you're going to lose money. Yep. Whereas whereas it's the complete. You can hit red on one spin of the of the wheel and you're you're up. You know, you're doubled. But in the investment world, it has shown historically that um, the longer you're in the market, to your point, Marcus, is that the more gar- the much more likelihood, if not an outright uh, 100%, I'll call it guarantee, uh, but um, that you're positive. And, and so the, the investment world, the stock market, the, the equity market, the, finan- the fixed income market, the financial markets as a whole does not have to be the casino that some people think make it out to be. And it is the casino, though. It is the casino, Justin, except you're the house. If you're the casino, oh, you've got well, a yes. roulette wheel. People reverse. Yes. You've got a roulette wheel where there's black and red, and then there's those yeah. two green numbers. You know that half the time you're going to lose on black, or a little bit less than half you lose on black, a little bit, a little bit yeah. less than half you lose on red. Um, but you got those green numbers. And just having that slight edge, that's what makes yeah. the roulette game pot, makes it uh, profitable for the casino. Yeah. And you as an investor, you have that slight edge, and maybe it is just those 
you know, that two, extra 2%, if we're assuming that 5248 yeah. that I mentioned is, is exactly right, that mm -hmm. slight edge over the very long term, just staying invested and allowing it to compound. Remember what Charlie Munger said, you know, don't interrupt compounding. Uh, that is what gets us mm -hmm. uh, to our goals. Yeah, you have to go to Europe to get the one zero instead of the, the double zero and the, the green double zero and the green zero here in North yeah, Monte, America. Yeah, Monte Carlo or something, yeah. Or just one of the cheaper, <laughs> one of the off-strip casinos in Vegas might have it. Um, good good one, good one. Um, resolution for me is that um, interest rates have been very high. Or I won't say very high. They've been relatively high over the past year in the buildup uh, than it was in the, in the past uh, memory of most. And so to go to a near zero or ZERP, zero interest rate policy, to now a meaningful, you know, call it anywhere between four to five mm -hmm. to six percent, has changed a lot of uh, perspectives. It, it's shown that fixed income actually can be, uh, has merit, right? It shows that savings and GICs at the time um, have had some merit as a sort of a flight to safety. Um, but for those in hindsight, in, now for all of us in hindsight, when you look back, Putting cash into a high interest savings account or a money market fund or to a GIC has allowed you to gain 5% maybe, let's just call it um, roughly uh, over the past year. But then the opportunity cost of that, of that security, was then seeing the equity markets, I'll give the S&P 500 in the, uh, the United States as an example, of a 20% plus increase, right? And, and so you had security. 5% was awfully attractive relative to the previous years, uh, mm -hmm. but then what you gave up in terms of that security was the equity uh, uh, capture or the recovery, and it's still continuing to be strong. In the, in the near future, I don't necessarily believe that we're going to have six interest rate cuts in the next year, as the, some of the market uh, uh, participants seem to think right now, but I seem, I'm going to guess to say there's probably at least a cut, right? Maybe not March, maybe June, maybe yeah. in the fall, whatever. No. There'll probably be a cut or two, right? And so knowing that, Already, GIC rates have dropped significantly in the last month and a half, right? Just at the same time, the equity markets, yes. Yes, yeah, so I was going to say, I noticed like the absolute high point was about September. That's when I saw the, the one-year rate going to like 5.75 or something oh, crazy yeah. like that. Some rates you were getting 6.3 for one year. That was your That's best what, that was your, yeah. That was your best time. If in September you had some money to invest and you chose GIC versus the markets, mm -hmm. if this is long-term money and you chose mm -hmm. GIC because the rate was so high, that was the absolute best time to get into the markets because that's when the markets were at their low point for the year. Mm -hmm. And uh, they've taken off since then in late September, early October thereabouts. Now yeah. rates are lower and the markets are higher. So now let's say the rates go even lower in the, in the new year and they're down to low yep. fours, maybe threes again. Mm -hmm. And then you got a choice between that and the investing in the markets. You're probably going to choose the markets, but the markets have gotten a lot more expensive. Yeah, in the interim. for sure. It always works out that way every time. Seemingly, huh? Seemingly. In my 15 plus years, yeah. But, you know, there, the years where, there was a year ago where correlations, everything went to one or negative one, right? Mm -hmm. uh, but that being, yeah, one. But the, the idea here is that um, having talked with uh, other colleagues in industry, having talked with clients directly, of course, and just having uh, uh, some uh, general research and understanding as to what, what the inflows are into certain types of funds, there is a massive amount of cash sitting on the sidelines in money yeah. market and, and equivalent type funds. In the United States, I've seen numbers about $6 trillion just sitting on the side in cash or cash equivalents. Um, let's call it, you know, Canada being a tenth you know, of the size, whatever. There's hundreds of billions of dollars in Canada sitting on the sidelines in cash. Um, we are all participants in some form of that as well. So one of my resolutions is that understanding or having the expectation that there will be cuts and that those high interest savings accounts and those GICs and whatnot are not going to be achieving the yields that they are, starting to look at things like fixed income, 
fixed income right now on a, you know, a high quality corporate bond, right? You're getting high single digits for not a lot of more incremental risk in, in, in my mind, right? And so transitioning people away from the security, um, the 100% security of a GIC um, mm-hmm. with lower and lower rates coming into the future and then gradually moving that what is in cash in the sidelines, which never was meant to be cash in the sidelines and moving that back into, um, if not fixed income, if not the equity markets, something that's going to be providing something uh, a rate that is going to be better than uh, what we have experienced in the last year and a half in the money market funds so it's more of an allocation uh, resolution for myself and for my clients is that moving that cash that's been sitting there waiting patiently receiving a reasonably good yield at the time but now saying okay you know what the the, the storm is largely over right we can see clear skies ahead let's start deploying that sooner than later in order to sort of get ahead of the you know the hundreds of billions of dollars or trillions of dollars that is is going to eventually have to be coming into the market again at some point. And you know it will eventually come into the markets and it will get into the market probably too late. Um, <laughs> it will rush. It will rush in yeah. quickly, yeah. right? And so being ahead of that in some form, at least conceptually, right? And then also just saying, yeah, you know what? Let's let's revisit the decisions that were made in the past year about cash and cash decisions, cash allocations. And now let's look, you know, understanding that and looking into the future, what are, you know, uh, some other opportunities? Um, dividend yields are highly attractive right now relative to GICs and, and, and money market. Um, um, corporate bonds like, like uh, that I talked about as well, you know, blue chip, high quality, double A, you know, investment grade type bonds yielding higher than money market funds as well, right? So um, a little bit step off that cash on the sideline into something that is at least going to be achieving greater than the cash and then providing some exposure should there be one or multiple interest rate hike, uh, cuts, I should say, uh, in, in the next 12 to 18 months. Yeah, and talking about those assets that are one little notch up in risk from from GICs, uh, one being just bonds in general. And mm-hmm. here I'm looking at a plain vanilla aggregate bond ETF. So in, in let's say in October, you have the choice between, uh, I'm looking at a three-month chart. You had a choice between buying a GIC at 5.5% or buying a bond fund. Mm-hmm. And again, let's assume this is long-term money and it's part of mm-hmm. your overall retirement portfolio. Mm-hmm. Traditionally, you buy stocks and bonds in a retirement portfolio in some mix based on your risk level. But in the last little while, because bonds had this really terrible, terrible 2022, um, people have been gravitating towards GICs. Well, in October, you would have bought your GIC at 5-ish percent. You'll get your 5% in October 2024. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you bought an aggregate bond ETF, you're already up 6.5% since then, just in that short time period. Mm-hmm. Because interest rates sort of on those longer term things trended downward. Another asset class a lot of people hate, preferred shares. And uh, here I'm just looking at mm. a typical preferred share ETF. There's not a lot mm. out there, but everybody hated them. And uh, they were, you know, they did not do well over the last number of years. And again, if you look at that same three month time period, uh, actually this time I'm going to late October to now, up about 10%, mm-hmm. just in that short time period. <clears throat> again, this is not an investment for a three month time period, but right. it's basically the time the point in time when everybody hated it and nobody wanted to touch it with a 10-foot pole is has now turned out to be a pretty good time to have entered into the into that type of investment. And there's still probably time yet still, right? No one's yep. ever going to time the very bottom. Very, very few too. Few, few do. Mm-hmm. Uh, but as long as you're on that uh, on the you know on the right side of the of the, of the, of the wave or the trend, right? Then um, you're you're acting appropriately, right? So the bond proxies, right? Whether it's the utilities, the financials, uh, for real estate. Uh, Fixed income, pure, as you just mentioned, right? Um, or shares, you know, yeah. some, something hybrid in between, like a pref, uh, is that they are um, yielding much higher. And for a longer term perspective, they will always, you know, over time, beat out largely right, the money market cash, right? 
just a matter of doing it. Yeah, and that gets to uh, one of my resolutions here, really along the same lines. Stop trying to time the markets. And I don't know how many times <laughs> I've said this on this podcast, but uh, if you haven't listened yet and you still think that you can time when the uh, Bank of Canada or the Federal Reserve are going to make interest rate decisions or you think um, you know certain stocks are going to do better than other stocks, blah, blah, blah. Uh, we found, you know, time and time again, it's impossible to predict anything. The markets are completely random and unpredictable. Uh, this year was a great year for growth stocks. Last year was a great year for value stocks. Year before was growth stocks. And nobody predicted going into any of those years that it would be growth or value or whether it will be U.S. stocks doing better than international again or whether international will do better. Um, you know, one of the things we looked at, I think we looked at it last episode, last live episode, uh, German stocks, which, again, never, nobody thought too highly of the German economy and all the mm -hmm. challenges they've had since the uh, Ukraine war started. Mm -hmm. um, but they have been, uh, in recent times, again, another top performer. So, uh, yeah, just try to make that a resolution. If you were ever timing things, don't time the markets. Not against, I'm not against investing in individual stocks in this regard, but uh, you know, tr stop trying to time in and out of them. That's all. I think a lot of people, because of the news flow, because of the information that's out there, and because it's topical as well, right? Not a lot of people will talk about one specific company. You can bring up a name like, just call it Roger Sugar, right? And it's like, oh, there's a strike going on. I can't buy brown sugar. I can't make my cookies for holidays or whatever, right? But like, no one's talking necessarily about the, the financials of that thing, but they're talking about the kind of the after effects of it. Um, mm -hmm. And so these things come up in news, but more often than not, it, these are macro things that come up in news. They don't talk about, you know, the underlying, you know, what what is the the, the difference in, in uh, negotiations between the union and uh, and the company, right? Why are they been you know butting heads for so long? It's, it hasn't been weeks; it's been months that they've been doing this sort of idea, right? But then, but talk about you know, the price of oil or the U.S. Canadian FX rate, or what the U.S. election is going to be in 11 months from now. Remember, we've got an election, U.S. election in 11 months, right? <laughs> and think about all the headlines that are going to come up between now and then, right? They've already started with Colorado mm -hmm. and whatever, right? Like, they've always happened, and they will continue to happen over the next little while. These are huge macro calls that, like you said, very few people have any control, no control over, or impact on, right? There is fundamental things that you can look at individually can maybe make a more... Uh, informed uh, decision on things, say an, a specific equity, a specific stock right now, but making a call on interest rates. Every, almost every economist and macro uh, guy, girl, 11 months ago have, were wrong in, in the pace of change in the, in the interest rates and the, the market reaction to it, right? So even the best of them uh, can be uh, widely incorrect. Uh, so mm -hmm. I think if you are going to spend some time thinking about stuff like that, macro is what a lot of us talk about, but it's in the micro where we have more control over or more knowledge or aware, awareness and have some ability or, or you, know, um, you know, some agency over. So as an extension, my, my thought to that would be that, yeah, don't think so much about wars and elections and, and the um, financial, the impact on the markets on it, you know, take a little bit more time in terms, in terms of like your, your savings rate or how much, what allocation you're doing. Or if you have an individual stock, uh, double check and make sure you know what the CEO is doing, what the, who the who's on the board of directors, and if they're actually increasing margins over the last little year. Uh, and and that probably goes a much longer than uh, an impact on your on your portfolio than figuring out what the nat natural gas price is going to be because you know uh, of the war in Eastern Europe, or uh, you know there's a blockade, or there's missiles being fired in you know in the, in, the, in the Arabian coast or in the Red Sea. So. And almost always, and these examples keep coming up. And, and Germany is another one of these examples. Almost mm -hmm. always the macro news out there 
basically the markets do the opposite of what one would logically expect. If, if the markets were supposed to do what we expect based on, we think, you know, this is happening, you know, geopolitically, yeah. so this should happen, this, this market should do poorly, this one should do well. Or if we're talking about a specific company, you know, this company has this product coming out, blah, 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 so it should, it should outperform. It almost always goes in reverse. Actually, recently, what did I hear from uh, someone? They wanted to buy, there, I saw there being some, uh, some previews of Grand Theft Auto 6 coming out in uh, next year sometime, I guess, summer next year. I mean, the graphics look awesome, and obviously it's going to be a huge hit. Mm-hmm. And, and I hear from someone who wants to uh, buy Take-Two Interactive, the company that makes it. Mm-hmm. Um, is that going to work as an investment? It probably will not. And you look at the stock already, it's probably already moved up because of this expectation. So if you're going in thinking just because this company has a great game coming out next year, that that's going to make you a, an outsized return, and remember, the only reason we should ever be looking at an individual stock is if we expect its return to be greater than the index, that we're expecting some sort of alpha from that. If you make the index return, you know, good for you, pat on the back if the index is up 20%, but uh, you wasted your time buying that stock. Are you going to, I don't know, I cannot predict the markets again, it's completely unpredictable. But I do not think that just because some sort of a thing is happening, some kind of product's coming out that everyone's going to buy, I don't think that that's not already baked into the price, and I don't think you're going to make a return trading that stock again getting back to market timing it's a, it's tough because sometimes you'll see like oh you know what's this facebook thing you know no one's gonna say yeah. this right or like i saw a th- i saw a number on the tv yesterday that um that the ByteDance, the parent company the chinese parent company of tiktok mm-hmm. and i don't use tiktok maybe we maybe you and i are also aside from youtube next year we'll start using tiktok as well but they brought in 110 billion dollars in revenue apparently last year Right, and it's just like, oh, the kids are using TikTok. We should go into TikTok. Well, even if you think you can get into TikTok, right, or into ByteDance, is that going to be the right decision? You talked about point, right? you talked about Facebook. Yeah, Meta was probably among the top five performing stocks of the year mm-hmm. in twenty twenty three. Did anyone expect that a year ago? Was there any reason to think they Meta were thinking would that they were going to go into this virtual reality world, augmented, and then just like completely burn money trying to build you know pe- avatars with no legs, right? And <laughs> well, again, again, getting back to this point about predicting the markets, literally. Yeah. The moment that Zuckerberg came out with this whole Meta thing, he changed the name to Meta, did that mm-hmm. that crazy demonstration with the weird uh, um, virtual reality, um, that was pretty much the peak previously in uh, September 2021, and it, it still has not reached that peak again. But from that point on, the, the stock lost was lose like two thirds of its value from when when everything was looking like you know this great future. Boy, for did Meta. it bounce back! And you know now now they've got this. Uh, yeah, a year ago, yes, go but on. Yep. A year ago, things were not looking great yeah, for them. Right. I would assume that's when their when their stock price dipped below one hundred dollars. Now it's back up to three fifty four. Um, who could have predicted that? Yeah. It's, it's just completely unpredictable. I almost want to try out on a completely uh, separate tangent. Like uh, they have this new Ray Band, you know, Ray Band, sorry, uh, glasses with the camera, and it's supposed to kind of be like that projection augmented reality sort of idea. I've seen some reasonably good reviews online. Um, wow. I, we'll see what Apple does with their. It must you know, be expensive though, eh? Uh, I mean, they're not Apple's type expensive premium quality, but they're Ray Bands, mm-hmm. and um, we'll see. That who knows? Who knows? And there's always innovation. That's the thing is that there's always innovation, mm-hmm. and there's always things happening. But predicting the pace of these, the pace of um, remember what we talked about before. Uh, people will overestimate um, uh, changes in the short term and severely underestimate the changes yeah, over the long totally. term. Right, um, and so. Take any sort of new developments, uh, specific company, whatever, you know, with a certain grain of salt. Um, it may take time. AI, who knows? We're, they're still spending, spending billions, if not hundreds of billions of dollars, trillions on AI as a whole. 
um, some of it will stick. Some of, they will be use, use cases for all of us in some form down the road. But uh, uh, yeah, it's still very much in its infancy, right? So let's let's. But it's probably going to be here in ten years from now, right? So we'll see what eventually does. Hard to hard to make a decision on that. So we're coming up to the hour. Uh, mm -hmm. Beyond finance and investing stuff, do you have any other uh, resolutions for the new year? I um, I'm going to try to put the phone down more. Yeah, it's a simple thing. But I think it'll have a lot of positive uh, impact on the personal life, uh, all parts of my life. And, and just in terms of not trying to be over in, uh, inundated with uh, data and information and pings and texts and, and, and other funny noises that mm -hmm. come from my phone. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that's something I'll try. You know, I'm not going to wake in whatever. Right? But the point is, is like, let's let's do reduce screen time. I think that's going to be an easier thing to do uh, or something I can try harder than the weight loss, any sort of weight loss or health thing. Right. This will be the this will be this will be the mental health thing. Re drop the phone. Yeah. And your kids are getting older. Are they on? Do they have their own phones yet? No. No. But you want this no. is a good time to start setting a good, a good example. Eh? Not having that <laughs> yeah. phone out when you're having dinner or whatever. And yeah, that's you know, right. if you are doing something I love, as a family. I love my crossword puzzles, man. But yeah. I, I, you know, there's a time and place I'll, I'll do it. Right. So. Yeah. Yeah. How about yourself? Uh, well, the usual stuff. I'm going to try to to walk more, lose some weight, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, one thing I'm, I'm actually looking to start next year is I have this model railway, and it's from when I was a kid. So uh, in the last uh, year or so, uh, I see I you're nostalgic collecting. too. You're a nostalgic <laughs> kind of guy. Well, Just so like me. the thing is, I lived in a condo for years. So there's nothing I could do with it. it yeah. It's it's stuck around in my parents' basement in BC, mm -hmm. and I've taken over over the past year or so. I've brought back or my parents have brought back boxes and boxes of, of you know these trains tracks houses whatever and they're mm. in my basement now so mm. <laughs> step one it's already moved to my basement now we got to do something about it and that means like buying some power tools and getting handy and actually uh building this thing up and and i'm going to do that this winter and uh, when i do i'll probably post a picture on our that's awesome on our uh, on our page here <laughs> i think that's going to bring so. you much joy that, that sounds really exciting and it, it harkens back to an, an earlier uh, a stage in your life and and I, I mm -hmm. would hope that in that photo you're in that conductor you know that train in you with the a cover all, hat, no, you know, no, all that no. sort of idea right that's amazing. I do have a yeah. I do have a uh, baseball cap from uh, from CN that has those conductor oh, colors that a client gave me yeah but uh, but yeah I'm hoping also like my my nephew is gonna be eight in in the next year and uh, mm -hmm. you know it's probably getting to that age where he might be interested in that we'll, we'll see if he wants to help analog so Go analog yeah mm -hmm. awesome well, and ski more. Oh, oh ski. Well, you got to hope for some snow. I don't know what marmots like. Or snow. I was, was yeah. going to say, uh, I was going to say I was going to buy some. Valley last, going? I think last episode I said I was going to buy some ski, uh, some new ski equipment, ski yeah. gear, basically. And uh, maybe in the new year. Yeah, you're uh, not skiing around Edmonton here. Not at all. But uh, I think I think there's, well, look look at your window. Is there snow in those mountains? Well, no, <laughs> very little. I mean, Bing, there was a reason why Bing Crosby uh, yeah, had that yeah. song, right? And there is some fact where I am dreaming. Uh, for a white Christmas, um, it's not going to happen this year yep. in Calgary. But uh, not here um, either. But it, it it does fit the mood, and and that uh, it also allows for even something like tobogganing or skating at the community rink with the kids. Right, that's not available right now due to the weather uh, that we're getting right now. So that's another one of my sort of deferred resolutions for years now. Since I moved out to Strathcona County, I've been wanting to get back into cross country skiing. When I was a teenager, I used to be a ski volunteer out at the Strathcona Wilderness Center. Mm -hmm. uh, cross country area. It's a beautiful, it's a, it's a nice little cross country area. They, it's very well maintained and everything. And now it's a short drive away and, uh, you know, they do rentals there and there's no snow. So maybe, I, I kind of wonder even if, if they don't get much snow soon, are they just going to have to write off the season? Which is, uh, 
not 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 good. January and February are coming. Coldest months of the year. We'll see. We'll see. Right. We'll see. We'll see. All right. Um, All right. But yeah, have a merry Christmas, and uh, we'll we'll talk. Uh, we'll we'll do our next one in the new year. Well, and remember, this is going live in the new year, so everyone who's listening has already had a Merry Christmas. It is a happy new year. Hopefully 2024 is a happy year. Uh, <laughs> well, you never know. We could be looking back to 2023 and, and yearn for it. Uh, we'll see how things go. You know, <laughs> President Trump again, and who knows. Uh, <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. Well, awesome. Any views discussed in this podcast are those of the presenters or any guests and not necessarily those of Canaccord Genuity Corp. Statements expressed herein are not intended to provide tax, legal, or financial advice, and under no circumstances should be construed as a solicitation to act as a securities broker or dealer in any jurisdiction. All views expressed are intended for general circulation only and do not have any regard to the specific investments, objectives, financial circumstances, or general needs of any individual, organization, or institution. Investing in equities is not guaranteed, values change frequently, and past performance is not an indicator of future performance. Investors cannot invest directly in an index. Index returns do not reflect any fees, expenses, or sales charges. Please do not hesitate to contact us should you want to know more about anything discussed in this podcast. CG Wealth Management is a division of Canaccord Genuity Corp., member of the Canadian Investor Protection Fund and Canadian Investment Regulatory Organization.